some very good things uh, always happening in the Lord. But um, there's something that uh, you see the title of the day is Diligent or Diligence. Uh, Claudette, um, do you remember the dream you had before we went to the pastor's conference and what the Lord told you concerning that? Do you remember it? And what did I tell you when you told me about it? you remember? Um, she said that she had a dream where God told her to be diligent. The rest of it. She had a dream, and when she woke up and told me the dream, I had just been thinking about diligent. In fact, I had actually woke up during the night, looked at my phone, and looked up some scriptures on diligence because it hit me so strong. That was before we went to the pastor's conference. So that must have been September sometime because we went to the conference first week of October. So this was a, a, like a week or so before then. And uh, I thought that was unusual. She woke up. We said God told her to be diligent about something. And, and I was just looking up the same night. I said, what did you say? She said, yeah, God told me something about diligence. If she can remember, she'll come back to it later to remember it. But I said, I just woke up during the night and actually looked it up on my phone because it came to me like that. And I told some of the elders at the conference when we were up there, I said, that was, you know, a good thing, you know, a double witness right there in the morning. But um, me, I take everything as something that God's trying to show me, that I have to learn, I have to learn to understand. And uh, so, you know, having that, that word come up like that. And then I think about a week or two ago, I think Tim uh, taught a lesson on diligence, didn't he? Tim Gowett from California, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then I remember something Dan said in one of his lessons about being diligent toward the things of God. And uh, he said that, and that was like a month ago, I think, or whatever. So that word's been going around for a little bit, but it's been on my mind since September. You know, sometimes a word comes to you and you say, wow. And I've been looking at things and whatever. So now, you see all this other stuff written here? We're not going to go through all of that. that. That's just to show you, this is where God's taken me so far about what diligence is all about. Today, we're just going to talk about diligence. But there's a submission that has to come if you're going to be diligent. There has to be a commitment that has to come if you're going to be diligent. There has to be a discipline if you're going to be diligent. And there has to be a zeal. Remember, the scripture tells us to be zealous of good works. And uh, what did it talk about when Jesus went into the temple and he, you know, he beat the money changers out and all that stuff? He said, the zeal of, of, of that house had eaten me up. Didn't he say that? There's a hunger to do the will of God is what he's saying. It was a hunger in him to do the will of his father and he was going to do it. And he said, this is a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. And man, that zeal ate him up. He said, I'm not going to allow that in my father's house. And he took that little cord and he got him out of there, turned over tables and everything and, uh, and got them all out of there. So that's the zeal of God, a zealousness for good works. And uh, so I like to put it in the term of hunger. You know, when you have an appetite, a hunger for something, you want to try and satisfy it. You want to try and get that taken care of. Well, put it in the, the godly sense. Do you want to do that for God? Do you want to have a zeal or a hunger to do the things of God? You know, and I think that's a, that's a powerful thing. I think Jesus had that hunger in him from the time he was brought forth. The reason I say that, you know, you read in Hebrews, um, 
How does Jesus say it, or how is it said there? I think Paul is the one writing that. It may be John. Some people say John wrote uh, Hebrews. Um, he says, um, Father, a body thou hast prepared me. Remember when he said that? And, and so he said, he's talking about what God has already done uh, for him. And he said he prepared him. And what happened was, this was in the plan of God from the beginning to bring this body forth. And then it says, lo, I come in the volume of the book. That's me. It's all about me. It's about what? It's about the, the uh, revelation of Jesus Christ from beginning to end. This is what this book is all about. It's about him. Nothing that was made that was made, if it wasn't through Jesus Christ, it wasn't done. Isn't that true? It had to be made through him. And then he said later on, by him, for him, through him, you know, all things. You think about it. So think about this. Uh, the meaning of diligence or diligent is an earnestness. <laughs> you know how I started off with that? I started spelling Ernest's name. I just put E-R instead of putting the A in there. <laughs> so I had to stick that little A in there. Earnestness in accomplishing or promoting or striving after anything. You know, it's, it's an earnestness. It's a, it's a zeal to do that. It's a promoting. It's a striving. Now, that's the Webster's Dictionary thing here. What do you think it was in God that, that made him diligent? He was the first example of diligence. He saw, even beforehand, he saw things going into seven churches and made a way so that each thing could be made known what was going on and sent the Savior to talk to that angel and then show him what they had to do, you know, to take care of what was wrong and then to get the reward after they did that, you know, what was right. So how did we start him? First he told him who he was. Then he told them what they had done wrong. Then he told them what they can do to fix it. And then afterwards, he'd give them the reward. Isn't that what it was? After it was all fixed. But that was done from the beginning, the seven churches. Think about this. The sin, everything that happened in heaven, the sin of Adam on the earth. Sin was, had to be kicked out of heaven. And what Adam did, the whole deal, was God already diligent about making a way for all this stuff. You know, it, it didn't take God by surprise. He has foreknowledge. He knows all things. So in his diligence as God, as the Spirit, he started making ways for things. Prophecy came forth, didn't it? God said this was going to be. We're going to get them out of this mess. These are my children. I love them. I'm not going to let them languish in it. I'm not going to let them stay in it. I'm going to make a way. Now remember, you go to the fifth chapter of Revelation, it tells you this. It said, heaven was searched, earth was searched, and under the earth was searched for that person to be worthy to be able to redeem us. And since he couldn't find anybody, there was a lamb standing off to the side there. And he said, I'll do it. You go back and read that fifth chapter of Revelation. He said, I'll do it. And he came up and took the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne. huh? But he didn't stop there. He turned around and sat down on the throne. And then he was the only one that was worthy to loose all those seals in that book. Think about what Jesus did for us. Is that diligence to loose all those seals? Was that diligence to say, I'll do it? That I'm the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, that I come to do thy will, O God? Isn't that what he says over and over again in Hebrews? I come to do thy will, O God. Thou preparest me a body. True. All of that. I'm in the volume of the book. What he's really saying is, I'm going to give my life, the only life that was manifested in the flesh, I'll give it for them. Because God's invisible, isn't he? But he said, Father, thou preparest me a body. 
So this was in the plan of God. Is that diligence? You know, yeah, you can do the Webster's Dictionary thing all day long about what it means, but really God is the epitome of diligence and taking care of us. I'm going to save your soul. I'm going to get you back from whence you fell. I'm going to be diligent about this. I'm going to keep going until I accomplish it, till it's done. If it takes a trillion years, you think God's going to bring it forth? For every single being there is, all souls are mine, he says. So he's going to do it for everyone. Well, what drives him to do that? Love. (laughs) He's diligent about his love toward us, which is why he wants us to be diligent about our love toward him. Look at what it says promoting, striving after anything, accomplishing. Our accomplishment should be that we love God because he first loved us. Now, I was very happy to hear Dan say, uh, what, about a month ago, was it? He said, you know what? That uh, Ephesus church, they lost their first love, huh? But he said, but look, we've got it back. Jesus is among us now. He has come. Isn't that true? He's among us now. So, so is that love promoted now? Is it still lost or is it found again now? That love has been found. And that's only because he was diligent to keep telling us what we had to do in order to get it. Did we have to learn love? We have to learn to love God. Well, how do we do that? By the very word that he gave us, by the spirit that he leads us by, that, by the example that Jesus gave. Hey, I only do what the Father tells me to do. See that way? I only speak what he tells me to speak. I only go where he tells me to go. You should be the same as servants of God. You should be diligent in following that pattern. So God showed us what diligence was first, huh? Now he says, I want you to be diligent concerning my word, concerning my spirit, concerning the things I ask you to do, concerning what? Being obedient, having truth, having faith. I want you to be diligent in those things. And man, we, we can be diligent about a lot of things. A lot of things. And, uh, and we want them. I, I see how people are so diligent to get things they want here. If you want something, man, you'll get after it until you get it, don't you? And let's say you don't get it right away. You're going to keep working toward it until later on down the line you're going to get it. There, there's things that people call them their dreams, don't they? I hear that a lot. Oh, my dream came true. Well, what was it? Well, I wanted that house on this particular place over here, whatever. So is that salvation? No, that's your dream coming true in, in what you say in the world that you want to have. And, and the dreams that we say we want to have here, I was listening to something Shaq was saying uh, this morning. I, I like his, every once in a while I, on my phone thing there, I will hit it and listen to something that he says. And um, he was talking about, he came up on, uh, I can't remember, with some students in Walmart or something. Uh, maybe some of you know the story. And, uh, and they wanted uh, some computers, but they didn't have the money for it, you know. And they were telling him, said, we don't have the money for it, you know, said, but this is what I need for school, whatever. And I, I don't know how many kids were there. He bought them all a computer. <laughs> he said, put it on my tab. He said, you pick the computer you want, and I'll put it on my tab. I thought that was, wow, that's pretty good. You know, that people do good things here. I was listening to... Um, a thing about uh, this billionaire lady, the one who used to be married to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, she, she, in the settlement, she got $29.7 billion. And that was nothing compared to what he has. And she, she was satisfied with it because, you know, he has, what, $186 billion 
or whatever it was, you know. But he, for the divorce settlement, she got $27.9 billion. I said, that's pretty nice. But she says, my goal is to give it all away before I die. And she's doing all kinds of stuff. She's given, you know, billions to these things, you know. I'm talking about for education, for housing, for... She's even given billions of dollars for people learning about, like, uh, global warming, things like that, you know, for research and stuff. Because all of these people said, if it's for our benefit, then I need to give them something. That's how she thinks. I thought that was pretty cool. And she says, it's going to take her a while to get rid of the billions that she has. But she says, and she's very select about who she gives money to. She gives, she's given some to some hospitals for research for certain things, you know, like for cancer and certain things there. So she's done that. She just writes a check and says, that's yours. Do with what you have to do with that. But she's very selective of who she picks. But that's, that's pretty good for somebody to have money and to have a goal is by the time I leave here, I don't want to have anything. That's going to be it. I've given it all away. What a mindset. Didn't Jesus give his all? I think about what Jesus gave. Father, thou preparest me a body to do what? To die. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Talk about diligence. Talk about promoting the things and striving after the things of God. What is he striving for? To bring us all back. For us to be saved. For salvation to go throughout the world. He doesn't want to lose anything. He wants to bring everything back. Call that diligence. And the way that he did it, and how it's going to work from generation to generation to generation and him following it all and putting it all in prophecy. That's diligent, isn't it? Not letting anything drop, knowing all things. Now, how can prophecy fail, though? Not believe it fails in us. But does that stop God from fulfilling the prophecy he put forth? He just puts it in something else and said, let's go on, we'll carry on. I think about those men with the rewards, you know, that the... the talents that God gave him, you know, and the one that went and buried in the earth and all that stuff. But who did he give it to? The one that the one that did 10, you know, because he can do more with it. And he was going to put that talent to work. You see what I mean? That's the way it is. So if somebody doesn't use the prophecy that God's put in your life, do you know that all of you have had prophecy breathed on you at one time or another? Rick said some things to us that were prophetic. Not just the stuff at the conference. You know, what is it, Matthew 10? I give you power over all unclean spirits. That was one. They said, oh, that's just repeating the word that's already in there. Hey, stop and think for a second, guys. If he speaks that, knowing who he is from that time, he's putting that in every one of you. You're partaking of that word that was spoken to you. That's what you're partaking of. Don't take it as just something that you're hearing and pass on through and go somewhere. He did that. But there were many times he said things to us. He said, oh, he'll, he'll talk to somebody and say, you know what? God told me he loves you. Oh, okay. God told me that, that to pray for you. God told me this. God told me that. I, I believe, Rick, every time he says God tells him something. And he told me, he said, bro, he said, there's some things God has in store for you. He said, we prayed for it. And the elders are still praying for it. Guess what? It's going to come to pass. That's just the way it is. Has a commitment been made? Is there diligence in that? The commitment, you know, we talk about, I'm going to talk about all these things at later times, but I just want you to know they're all listening to diligence. Somebody said, well, you left out uh, obedience. You left out faith. You left out trust. You left out, no, I'm not. 
each, each one of these things has those things involved under it. And so we'll be talking about those things, okay? But look at this. The diligence means a submission. The very first thing is submission. We'll be talking about that later. Right now, we're just trying to get across to you what is diligence. What do you think it is besides the stuff I've mentioned? Anybody have an idea, something that came to their mind about what diligence is all about? Two. That's a peculiar word there. I see it as continuing no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. That's being diligent. Is that what Seth, what you were going to say, Seth? Oh, yeah, no way. <laughs> Anybody else? Or go ahead. Uh, showing care. That is true. Because he, he, I take it beyond care, showing love. You know, because that's what God did for us, huh? That, that's diligent. Sometimes we tell, say we love somebody. Oh, I remember a person. I was telling my wife about him yesterday because we heard a guy say this. He's a fallen pastor, but he was saying things. Uh, how can you say it? To, to tickle the ears. Yeah, you know, the, the one we watched on the swapping thing. He was saying things to tickle the ears. What's, what's something he's learned over the years to do to put forth. And I said to myself, I said, that's not real. He reminds me of a pastor that I know. And this pastor used to say all the time, oh, we love y'all so much. We love you so much. We love you. We love you. We love you. That. And that was the pastor that tried to, to kill us and stab us, backbiting, doing things. But used to say all the time, we love you guys. We love you guys. And so it wasn't ever diligent in love. Diligence in love is this. Sometimes we have to experience even with our kids. Even when things don't go right, even when there's not obedience, even when there's rebellion, even when we still have to have what? Diligence to love, to continue. You said to continue, right? You have to continue. You don't cut. Jesus is the great example that you don't cut your child off. You know, what did he say um, in Hebrews? He said there's going to be a chastisement sometimes, right? Isn't that true? But are you still a son? If you be without chastisement, what are you? Yeah, but that you're not that in God, you will always be his son. Now what he's going to do is what? Try to straighten you out. He's going to be diligent to show you the things that are necessary for you to overcome this thing that you're going through. Isn't it true? How many times did he deal with Israel, even when Israel did not return it? Uh, a lot of people don't realize Israel tempted God 10 times in the wilderness. 10 times. 10 specific times in the wilderness. Now, how many of those plagues did uh, they put on Pharaoh? You think maybe they carried those things out there with them and never fully got rid of them? Because they never fully trusted God? 10 and 10, huh? 10 plagues? Ten times they tempted God in the wilderness. That's amazing. So these are the things that we, we have to stop and think about. I, know, I think about the book of Judges a lot. It tells us how, how things were done. You know, sometimes um, uh, God would send a Savior. How many Saviors did God send in the Old Testament? Over and over and over again. He sent many Saviors to do something to help, to help his people overcome. And yet, get, like, take Gideon. He'd come on the scene, do what God told him to do, all the stuff, whatever. He'd die, grow off the scene. And then what, within a, 
a year or maybe less after he died, they were back worshiping other gods, not following God, whatever. He'd have to send another deliverer. And this went on over and over and over. The last great judge, with believe it or not, guys, was Samuel. But Samuel was ushering in a different time after that. But the last great judge over Israel was Samuel. And, and what God had done with him, he made him a prophet. And he made him uh, a priest too, huh? And so that he could take these things and bring them forth in God for the people. And even the priest that was over him, Eli, was he doing all that he was supposed to be doing? No. God spoke to uh, uh, Samuel, even as a young child, lying on his bed there under Eli. You know, uh, Eli was teaching him. He was learning the things about the priesthood. Remember, his mother dedicated him back to the Lord for giving uh, him to her. That's, Hannah was, that's a powerful statement right there. Uh, that she gave up her child back to the Lord for the Lord giving her that child. Have we been, do we have something in our mind that would, you know, go the same way? Can we give up something to give back to God for all that he's done for us? Well, you know what he asked for? You. That's what he asked for, is you. It's, it's so powerful. He didn't like the, after a while, the, the sacrifices of uh, bulls and goats and all this other kind of stuff became a stench in his nostrils. All he ever wanted really was you to offer yourself. What does it say? Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That's what he wanted from the beginning. He wanted you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. That's what he wants from you. Can we be diligent in that? See, so much more, the Webster's Dictionary thing doesn't do enough for it. When you start thinking about what God is saying and the things that God is doing, can we give ourselves back to God that way? Can we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? And you notice he said living, not dead. A living sacrifice. So you can continually give this sacrifice to God. And you can continually do what? Sanctify him. Does that make sense? As you give this sacrifice, you sanctify yourself. In God. And what that sanctification is, God, I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. I'm going to speak what you tell me to speak. I'm going to go where you tell me to go because that way I am sanctifying you. You give me the instruction. You help me to learn. Isn't that what the doctrine's all about? Isn't doctrine teaching and learning? He said, yeah, your doctrine shall fall like rain. Isn't that true? We want that. We want that water so it can keep us going. Springs up into everlasting life. Didn't he tell that woman at the well that? If you knew who it was who's asking you for water, I can give you water that you'd never thirst. Sir, give me of this water where I would never thirst. <laughs> She's thinking, I don't have to come out here with my, my pot anymore. No, no, no. He was talking about something deeper than that. Sir, give me of this water where I'll thirst no more. And he opened a door where he could start talking to her. Isn't that powerful? That's an amazing thing. It takes faith, guys. It does take faith. It takes a trust in God. Allow God to be diligent in what he said he's going to do toward you. But more than that, you be diligent to what God has already done for you. What he told you he's going to do for you. We have to continue in this thing. We have to do the things according to God's will and not our own will. Flesh causes us so much problem. Like I said, we can, there's a bunch of stuff we can gather up for flesh that we think that we need or whatever. Uh, there was a, what is that scripture? Uh, 
I think it's in First Peter. Is it First Peter or Second Peter? I'm going to go to it here. Bear with me here for a minute. Second Peter, starting at the first verse. Listen to this. This is one Dan read to us just a couple weeks ago. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So to those that like precious faith, we're all believers of the same thing, working together for the same goal, right? The body. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So God said he's given you everything you need for you to get to that point of having divine power. Everything that you need to have, he's supplied it already. Now, that's something to think about, guys. He was diligent to do that, huh? He already supplied it to us. What do we need to do? We need to be diligent to avail ourselves of that. Everything he's already supplied. Wow. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So first it talks about the divine power supplying all things. Now that helps us to get into the same nature that he has. By following those things, being diligent in what he's given us, now we take on his nature. That means the way God is, the way he thinks, the things he does. We'll take on the same nature. Isn't that true? So that's what the power is given us. And the power is really the wisdom and understanding of God and the spirit of that. The power he's given us is going to help us to be able to walk into his divine nature. Does that make sense? And he was diligent to do that for us. So you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What I was just saying a little while ago, all that stuff on the flesh, the carnality. We have so much stuff. Paul said, I think Dan did in his uh, Alive for Us. Um, those things he put away like dung. He said, I count it as dung. Those things, those things don't matter anymore. Well, what are they? They're all the things that we whipped up in our fleshly thought about what we wanted. And we tried to make that spiritual, the things that we wanted. I said, yeah, God, you can do this and that. We prayed to God sometimes about things that our flesh wanted. But that's not, he said, no. He said, that's not the right type of prayer. I'm not going to answer that. You see what I mean? We have to pray for things that God supplied to us from the beginning by his divine power. We want that. Let's pray for that. And people say, well, you shouldn't have to pray for it if God said he's going to give it to you. No, you pray that you do what's necessary and be diligent so it can be given to you. That's the key. Not to be distracted, not to go out of the way, not to follow the flesh, not to follow another spirit, but his spirit so that those things can be accomplished in you. And then you will receive his nature. Does that make sense? He wants those things done. But sometimes there's things in the way in us. So what do we have to do? Be diligent. Let's continue. Let's do. Let's pull these things out. Let's face the things in us that are not like God. That's what we have to do, right? He's given us the power to do it. He says he has. 
So let's face it. Let's face those fears. Let's face all of those things, those spirits, those de- everything that comes against us. Let's face it. Don't run from it. Let's look at it in the power of God and say to ourselves, God has provided us with everything we need to overcome that so that we can become part of his nature. He's already done it. He said it, so he's not a liar. He's already done it. So then we must come back to ourselves and say, well, we're going to have to step out on some faith here and believe that God said what he said for a reason, so let's come against this thing. Let's not be running from it in fear. Let's face it and see what God does with us. At least try it and see what God does for us. That's part of being diligent. You've got to try the things that you really have maybe have never tried before, but try it. See what God does. See what he does. He may put, you say, oh, I don't see anywhere to step. He said, take that step. And then you look down. Oh, there's that hand of God holding me up there. And then take another step and another. You may not see it all the time, but God says, I've provided it. I've provided it. And he's holding you up every time. That's a powerful statement. I saw a movie one time. It just came to me. Remember that movie with Eddie Murphy? The, was it called The Golden Child or something? Yeah, remember when he had to go across that thing and he could not see? He's standing on this little spike of land or whatever, and he can't see. It's nothing but a deep chasm down there. He's going to fall. And the guy tells him, nope, you got a step. There ain't nothing there, man. He said, no, take a step. He took a step, and then something, that thing grew up that was right under him. He had a step, but he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it, and he, he was still scared. And he took another step, and that thing came up again. He was standing on something. Oh, After he got that one, he took his step till he got to the other side. Didn't worry about that chasm anymore. It's the same thing. I I take lessons from things that I see everywhere. Sometimes a child will have so much faith about something that, you know, I'm praying that my daddy comes home alive. You know, good. You know, their their father's in Afghanistan or something like that. And this little kid is just praying. Then one day they show that thing where the dad surprises them. They're at school or something. like. I love watching those things. I love it. And the dad comes up behind. They don't even know he's there. And then they turn around. He's there. Man, they jump. They leap into their arms, don't they? Have you ever seen them? They leap and they hug them so hard, knock their hats off sometimes, <laughs> whatever. They are so happy. Daddy, that's what you hear, don't you? Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful to me. Because they had a prayer and an expectation. And you know what? I bet you they believe God did what they asked them to do. What, he, what they prayed for. Let my daddy come home safe and sound because not all of them do, do they? You see how this works? It's just a powerful thing. But can we be like children of God and believe that our daddy's going to do what he needs to do for us? Can we be children of God? Are we not called by that same name? Yes, we are. Our father loves us. He loves us much. And that's why he's so diligent to do the things he needs to do for us. It's such a powerful thing. So we need to return that. We need to continue in his love. He said, by this show, all men know that you're my disciples. If you have what? We really do have to put that forth, guys. We have to love one another. And if people see that love that we have one toward another, they'll want to be part of it. Because the way this world is going right now, people are looking for peace. They're looking for a way out. I mean, just listening to people talk. They're looking for it, and it's right here among us. So, and, and they don't know the way. So pray, God bless. Maybe we, some of us can help them and show them the way. Help them to come into a peace that surpasseth all understanding. 
that it's not something that we can do out of our own strength. Man, some of this stuff that we're dealing with is spiritual stuff. It's spirits coming against us, trying to oppose us, trying to destroy us is what they're trying to do. Remember he said he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may. The thing is, they want to devour us. It's not like they just want to cause a distraction and that's it. They want to actually devour our soul. That's what an unregenerated soul is all about. It's not regenerating the things of God. And those things know that, so they approach the unregenerated soul and they speak to it, hoping to draw you away. Wow. Um, there's a scripture that says, um, you know that strange woman where the young man is standing on the corner and uh, he, what do they call him? Is it simple-minded or? Yeah, he's standing on the corner. Do you know that one of the words it, she uses about bringing him in is that she is diligent to try to pull him in there? She's diligent. So does it show you that the wicked are diligent also? That's the word that's used. It, in her diligence in trying to convince him, that's what it is. What is she doing? She's trying to comp- promote something, strive after something. It's more than a distraction. It's getting you in here. It, I think in one place it said it's almost like the ox to the slaughter. And, and uh, the ox doesn't realize he's going to be slaughtered. And that's exactly what she's doing. And then the end of her ways are death and hell. Wow. What a strong spirit, huh? Jezebel's like that in the churches, right? What a strong spirit. So we have to be careful about these things. And so we have to be diligent to walk away from that which is not of God. We love God more because he loved us, first loved us. The more love we have toward him, the more he opposes the adversaries. So if you say, well, we want to get rid of this adversary. We want to overcome this adversary. Love God. Love God more and more. People say, well, how do you do that? You learn to love him. You learn according to his word. You follow. You're obedient. Learn to love God. When you love God, he starts opposing those things for you. Gosh, I didn't even know how I got out of that. God knows (laughs) how you got out of that how that spirit almost had you where you just, you've seen that little kitten hanging on by his fingernails. Hang in there, baby, is what that thing says on there. Well, you thought you were there. But then you look down, you find out you're standing on solid ground. Who did that for you? God did. Took you from being scared you were going to fall to the point that you're standing on solid ground. God does that. That's powerful. So is that part of that diligence? It sure is. You be diligent in your things that God told you to do. He's going to be diligent in his. The, the, the term they use for God in that is that God's always faithful. Isn't that true? Always. Always faithful. But you've got to try that and see. See if he's always faithful with you. If you ever have a feeling that God has not been faithful, I'm going to tell you something right now. It's because you have fallen in something that you think you had. Because God is always faithful. So you misinterpreted something or you didn't do things quite right. Go back and look at it again and see what God will do for you. There were times that they said, wow. I think about Peter when he told the Lord, he said, Lord, if that be you, bid me to come. And he did. He came out of that ship, didn't he? And he started walking until he saw what he saw in those waters. Then he realized that it can't be just 
me saying I want to do it. I got to have the strength to do it always, every time, every time. So Jesus had to teach him some more after that, didn't he? Well, I see afterwards those apostles never had to fail in anything anymore. That was good stuff. Book of Acts is a very exciting book to show you what God's able to do when he changes, changes you. When you become diligent to the point you won't do anything else but the will of God. And then you start seeing all these things start happening. What, what year are we in? You think we're going to get it through diligence? That's the only way you're going to get it. You're going to have to be diligent in believing the things of God. Taking in that word, walking in diligence. Having in your mind, I'm going to promote it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go. I'm going to strive. I'm going to accomplish whatever God tells me to do through his help. See, the problem we had before is that we did all that through the flesh. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you try to straighten something out, whatever. And it's doomed to failure because you're doing it through the flesh. But what about when you do it with God? That's the difference. That's the difference. So, yeah, that, that woman, that strange woman was diligent in what she did. Shows you that the wicked can be diligent also. Be very careful with that because they are very diligent to try to get you. Because you're a child of God. They want to take over. What happened already from in heaven? All those immature ones had that fall, huh? What happened to, to Adam in the garden? Same thing. The lessons are there. Let's be diligent. Let's be diligent to do the things that God has told us to do. Let's oppose those thoughts. When a thought comes to you, sometimes it's awful hard to, to say, no, I'm not going to think that way, isn't it? Because maybe you've been comfortable with it for a long time. What is it? Psalms 55 used to walk into the house of God together. Used to worship together. Called each other friend. Right, that's a frenemy. <laughs> that's not a friend. That's a frenemy. That's, a, that's an enemy that draws close, tries to give you some type of comfort so they can pull you in to a hell. That's what they want to do and destroy you. You have to be very careful. That Psalms 55 is a good one to read. But that's what they want to do. That's what they want. And if they have to cozy up to you and act like they're your friend or act like they have something in God too, just like you have something in God, be very careful. So what does God give us? Does he give us discernment to know these type of things? If you don't know it, you got elders here that can help you with it so that they can just talk to you and say, oh, no, 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 that's not a good thing there. Oh, that's what's been in my mind for the last three weeks. Really? Yeah. Let's see if we can get rid of that. <laughs> that's what God wants. That's what he wants. So is God diligent about loving us? Yes, he is. We need to be diligent about loving him. And the next thing I'm going to be talking about is us being submissive to him. You hear Gary say this all the time. Submit to the anointing and I will give you the spirit without reservation. That's the key for all of us. Submit. So we're going to talk about some submission in the future here. Get it in your mind about submitting. But what we want right now is to get your overall mindset, get everything in your, let's be diligent in these things. And now we're going to learn some more of them as we go along. We will be diligent. God will bless us. Get it in your mind. Say, Lord, grant me to have that diligence, that zeal, that hunger that only you can give. And we'll do it. We will do it.
Very powerful stuff. So I'm, I'm done unless somebody has a question. Go ahead, Claudette. The dream was seek him diligently. Good. Seek him good. diligently. And that was all you could remember of it, huh, at the time? I didn't remember the dream. I just remembered what was said so when I set up. Seek him diligently. Seek him diligently. Wow, that's good. That's enough. Sometimes you just get words, guys. You get something that God just speaks to you. And so seek him diligently. But the thing that got me is that I just finished looking at that on my phone in the middle of the night. And I was thinking about diligence. And she, she tells me the next morning that's what came to her. And wow, that's good. That is good. So it works out very good.